Welcome, everyone, to another episode of A Sister and Her Mister. Today, we have Savannah Antonation. She is a practicing therapist and fellow sister in Alberta, Canada, and she has a master's in clinical social work. Savannah works with clients through a trauma-focused and nervous system lens, where she helps them understand the role of the nervous system, how our life experiences get programmed into it, and how our nervous system shapes how we experience the world. Savannah works with clients who have experienced trauma, depression, anxiety, and body image struggles. Doctor said you got PCOS, now go on girl, just lose some weight. Till I took the symptoms into my own hands and reversed them naturally. So I became a dietitian and helped my sisters feel the best they've ever felt. If you wanna put them wrong and take control of yourself, join a sister and a mister. Welcome, Savannah. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Of course, I'm so happy to be here as both a therapist and a fellow sister. Um, we're totally gonna be um, talking about all the things I'm passionate about today. So I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, everyone seems to, there seems to be a lot of hype around PCOS and trauma right now. And everyone seems to be very curious. So this is a great timing for this podcast. I've been noticing that um, like nervous system and nervous system regulation, those, that type of language has really been trending right now, which is like really good to see. That's what I love to see as a therapist. Yeah, I've noticed too, like we made a couple of Instagram posts about it. And it's some of the more most engaging posts that we put on there because people are commenting and kind of relaying, uh, relating to the information and saying like, oh, this makes so much sense. You know, when I was growing up, this happened or, you know, my parents, this happened to them. And I feel like uh, that was passed down to me. So I think it's gonna be a really interesting, interesting episode. Yeah, I love that. So let's hop into it. Um, tell us about trauma and how it relates to chronic stress, chronic autoimmune issues like PCOS. Mm-hmm. So when we experience trauma, we first have to understand what is happening in the body uh, with relation to trauma. So when someone goes through a traumatic situation, or I'll even say just chronic stress. So um, even just say you have a really stressful job and you work lots of hours, that's considered chronic stress when our nervous system has to be activated for a long period of time. And so what ends up happening when our nervous system becomes activated, um, there's actually a process that happens in our brain. So have you guys heard of the amygdala? Yeah. I have, yeah. Yeah, perfect. So the amygdala is the fight or flight center in the brain. And so when something happens that triggers our amygdala to turn on, our amygdala is saying, oh, there's danger. We need to be on high alert here. We either need to fight through the situation. We need to flight. We need to get the heck out of here to stay safe. Or we need to freeze and essentially be like an ostrich and put our head in the sand um, to not be seen so that we can stay safe. So when the amygdala turns on, the front part of our brain is actually turning off. So the front part of our brain is in charge of rational thinking, decision-making, short-term memory, uh, all those sorts of things. And so 
um, that's why we often get those racing thoughts, right? Even when, when you guys are talking about going to that conference and you're feeling a little bit anxious, right? That's what's happening is there's amygdala activity going on for you. So that front part of the brain is shutting off, causing you to have some spiraling thoughts, not being able to think as rationally. And so when our, our, our amygdala is activated, you guys have probably heard of cortisol, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. And, Absolutely. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, um, so then what ends up happening? Happening is cortisol and adrenaline are released into our bloodstream. Now we know that those hormones are absolutely necessary to get us through times of stress. It's when we have that chronic activation um, and that chronic release of adrenaline and cortisol where that starts to create the inflammation, the health issues, things like that. Very interesting. And I was going to ask you, can this be happening and you're not aware? Let's say, for example, like in our, in our situation, like we have a conference that's coming up. We're a little bit nervous, like just like, you know, normal nervousness. And like while you're nervous for that, can your body be going through like a stressful state and causing you to have certain like symptoms like anxiety? And you have no idea that it's because of that, even if you're not thinking about it. Yes, 1000%. So here's the really cool thing is there, um, there's actually a study that's done. Um, and it, it's on babies, but I just think it, it it's really cool and just shows how our body is always scanning for either real or perceived danger. So um, what the research shows us is that even when babies are sleeping, their brains are still responding to say angry tones. So when parents save their fighting for the evening after kids go to bed, their brains are actually still responding to things that are happening in the environment. So that's how powerful our nervous system is for scanning for danger, uh, real or perceived. So real, this, this is going to happen. There is danger or perceived being there could be danger. Something bad could happen. So yeah. that's how uh, powerful our nervous system is. Really great question. Yeah. I, I was curious because like I've had really bad sleep for the last week and a half and I'm I'm thinking like, is it because of just, I'm not even thinking about it really before I go to sleep, but maybe I'm just nervous for the conference and it's the first time we've ever done like a live thing. So maybe that's what it is. Yes. Uh, you know what? It's so funny because when people are still building their awareness around their own um, patterns and cycles in their life, lots of people will actually even come to therapy and have no idea about any of the connections that are happening in their life. So for example, something I see really often, and this wouldn't even necessarily be like a trauma. This would, this would be just maybe kind of an ingrained belief that's happened is so say, for example, if someone um, grew up in a home where maybe their parents had really high standards for them, they really liked for them to get really good grades in school. And so what can happen, what I see happen as an adult is that person can then kind of be stuck in overdrive, kind of um, very goal oriented perfectionist, always waiting to achieve, you know, trying to achieve the next goal, the next thing, always in hustle mode, right? Hustle culture. Yeah. That's, that's typically those people. And so they usually aren't actually aware at the time that they're coming to therapy. They don't have that awareness that it was that belief that they were taught as a child that is now then driving driving them to have these perfectionist um, personality traits or driving them to work lots of overtime at work because they feel like they always need to be doing an 11 out of 10 job. Wow. I mean, Tanya, you have to say why you were smiling because I feel like Tanya's thinking. Is that you? <laughs> wow. It's not me. It's not me. My parents weren't as hard on me as they were for my sister. Um, I think they just gave up. But <laughs> for Sirak, it's like 100% him. <laughs> Don't put my mom on the line like that. 
But, but, yeah, see, I, I, but even lots of people will say like, I didn't experience trauma. Like I didn't have that, you know, separation from my parents. I didn't experience abuse in my home, things like that. But these are ways that our nervous system can actually remain activated and, and create issues for us, whether that be emotionally or in our physical health. Oh yeah. And it's like so connected to psychology too, because if you grew up in a certain kind of a household, then you were constantly pressured in one way or another for school or something else, then that's as an adult, that's like how you were designed growing up. Now your brain is always thinking the same way. And that, of course, leads to anxiety, leads to high stress, cortisol levels. And then that's going to, if you have uh, PCOS or any condition for that matter, that's autoimmune or uh, hormone related, it's going to wreak havoc. So that makes so much sense. Yeah, absolutely. How I like to describe those things is it becomes the lens that we see and experience the world through. Yeah. So, yeah. So if we feel like we're not good enough, that's how we'll experience the world and see that lens through. Um, we, you know, when we're working on a task, we always need to do it to the best of our ability, worrying that it's not going to be good enough. Yeah. How do you undo that? Like CDEX aware of it, or I'm aware of things, but like, how do you not be like that like if you're wired like that you know yes really really good question so that's where um i think it's really important people go to therapy to work through that because it can be a really long process depending on how strong those beliefs are for us um but some things that people can even start doing at home is first starting to get aware of that things that i see very typically in people we call them core beliefs um so those are the beliefs that become the lens that we see the world through so typical ones that i see for people who have grown up um, in traumatic situations would be, I'm a failure, I'm not good enough, I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy, I'm not safe. That's a big one. Um, I'm not in control. Those are some uh, some beliefs that I often see for people who have um, experienced any sort of trauma or chronic stress. And so being aware of those beliefs is the first step in being able to acknowledge how that's affecting you. Um, and then we also want to be taming that amygdala and deactivating it. Ultimately, one of the best things that we can do is deep breathing. And, mm. you know, lots of people will say, okay, like do a meditation. Those things are great, but we actually also want to incorporate the deep breathing at the time that we're activated or when we can start to feel that activation, because that's how we're going to start to be able to actually retrain the nervous system to say, you don't need to be on all the time. You don't need to be on when you do a task at work and you're worried that it's not going to be good enough, right? So we need to actually start to retrain the nervous system in those very moments when that activation is happening. So when you feel that stress, when you feel that anxiety, kind of taking some deep breaths, doing some box breathing, perhaps, and yeah, really like, yeah, because I, I I can feel that like sometimes it's like a shortness of breath. I'm sure a lot of people feel too, like where you're like, oh, crap, like, am I even breathing right now? Like you kind of remind yourself to do some deep, deep breaths. Yes, exactly. Yes, because you'll probably notice, and and if you don't, maybe I'll invite you to tune into this, is you might notice that your breathing is a little bit more shallow right now. So if we think about it, when we are in a chronic stress, toxic stress situation, our breathing is shallow because that's how our breathing would be if we're running away from something. And so that within itself can actually trigger our amygdala to be like, oh, there's danger. You're you're breathing really fast and shallow. There must be something going on for you. We have to get you the heck out of here. Um, And so really tuning into our breath to have those that nice regulated breathing can be really helpful. Okay. I'm definitely gonna do that. Definitely like doing some t- in those situations. Like when it's happening, you have to have the wherewithal to identify that it's happening and then do the breathing then. Yeah. I mean, what are some other things that are classified as uh trauma that can kind of like chronically stay with you 
you know, throughout your life without you realizing it and ultimately affect your cortisol and symptoms of PCOS. Have you guys heard of the ACEs study? No. No. Okay. So definitely look into that. I think you guys will find it super interesting. So what ACEs stands for is adverse childhood experiences. This was actually a huge study that was done. I'm trying to remember when it was done. I think it might've been like the late, late, um, like 1996 or something like that. So it's been around for a while, but it's just starting to gain some traction. And so, um, there was upwards of like 9,000 participants in the study, I believe. And so what they did was it was a medical clinic. Um, they had put out a questionnaire to their patients and, and they had a list of traumatic experiences you could experience as a child. So if you grew up in a home with a parent who had um, mental illness, um, if you ever experienced um, like poverty or food, um, food insecurity, domestic violence, any sort of abuse, things like that. And so what they actually found was the more traumatic experiences that the participant checked off, the higher risk they had in adulthood to have a chronic illness. Wow. Yeah. And what what were like those kinds of experiences that classified as? Could you break that down for us? Yeah. So, okay. So what do you mean in that regard? Like, uh, like what were like some of the things they went through as, as in throughout their childhood that would affect them later on? Yeah. So, so um, specifically was if there was a parent that was incarcerated. So if they went to jail for any sort of reason, um, if there had been separation from a parent, so maybe they had to like go live in foster care, go live, you know, with another family member, things like that. Um, if there was any sort of abuse that was experienced, so physical, emotional, sexual abuse within the um, within the home or, or just by, by someone within their close bubble. If they had a parent who was experiencing a mental illness, um, if they witness domestic violence. What what about like trauma that could be passed down from their parents? Was that ever talked about? Like, for example, if their parents went through some sort of a trauma before the before their child was born, or maybe when they were pregnant? Yes. So we actually call this intergenerational trauma. This is absolutely a thing. Um, so what this looks like is that, and they're still trying to figure out um, kind of more clearly what, um, how many generations it takes to heal from trauma. I've heard a few different numbers. I've heard it could take three generations. I've heard it can take up to six generations to heal from trauma. Um, but once again, not knowing for sure what that, what that number is yet, they're still trying to figure that out. Um, but it absolutely has an impact when we have a parent or grandparent that has experienced trauma. So there's two things that happen here. Epigenetics. Have you guys heard of that? Yeah. Perfect. So for, for listeners who don't know, epigenetics is, is ultimately um, how our, our genes get expressed. And so when we go through something traumatic in our environment, that can change the expression of that gene. So ultimately what that means, it could turn the gene on or off. So that's one process and how trauma can be passed down onto us. So say, for example, if someone has in their genetics, a line of anxiety or depression, you know, lots of people in their family experience that. And then um, something happens where you go through something traumatic that can then cause the gene to become expressed, aka I then start to experience depression. So that's that's one way in which um, intergenerational trauma gets passed down. The other way is that it can affect our parenting. So for example, if um, someone, say my parents were to have grown up in an abusive household and they've now learned that they're not safe, the world isn't safe, people aren't safe, they can pass that hypervigilance on to me around 
people and just kind of existing in this world that we have to be worried. We have to have our backup. We can't trust people. And so although my parents may not have been abusive to me, I could then kind of go through my life having this hypervigilance around people. And that's something bad could happen at any time. I was always curious about this and I've heard, you know, epigenetics because our great grandparents that survived the Armenian genocide And then our grandparents were raised by them, obviously, like, you know, in a certain way in a country that, you know, they were all unfamiliar with and um, essentially, essentially in Turkey, which was really difficult for them at the time being Armenian. And then they raised our parents with hypervigilance. Definitely, that would be the term because they were unsafe where they were all the time hiding and like hiding themselves, hiding that they were Armenian, not speaking their own language in public, things like that. And then the way our parents have raised us is definitely from a trauma, like point of view, like I, without them even knowing Mm -hmm. probably, um, they're being extra protective, extra, like, um, this perfectionism, it's not for nothing. It's like, you have to survive. You have to do well. You have to be the best. You have to um, give everything your all or else something bad will happen. And yes. like, that's the environment they grew up in because that was true for them. Yes. You know, and then it like passes down. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we can see right there that those beliefs that um, your grandparents and parents experienced that held relevance at some time, like that served a purpose that's stored in their nervous system, right? As we have to do this, no matter what, something bad could happen. That was the truth at some time where it might not hold the same truth for you, right? Because you're not in that same situation, but it almost kind of like plays out the same, right? With like the, the thought patterns and this having to do things no matter what yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely oh for sure part of it is like a good thing i feel like and then part of it is just like too much yeah. every day. You know? Absolutely. And you know what, that's a, lots of the work that I do um, with clients as well as just actually holding some appreciation for that, right? Why, and, and we call this actually um, post-traumatic growth, um, where we can start to see how maybe some of the things that we've been through, or maybe some of the, the traits that we've adopted from having been through trauma or a family having been through trauma has maybe um, caused us to have some more resilience, Right. And I'm, I, I toe a very careful line with post-traumatic growth because say, for example, if someone had experienced sexual abuse or something like that, we wouldn't want to say, okay, well, you know, do we want to look at the positive things that could have come out of that? That's harmful. Um, We we kind of have to be careful how we use the concept of post-traumatic growth. Um, But I think in this situation, because you're kind of engaging in that language of it's maybe served me some good, right? It's, it's caused me to be able to be a fighter and, and get to where I am and, and, you know, see the successes that I have. Right. So in this situation, I feel like it very much applies to you. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. For sure. And I think maybe in some cases too, like some people don't even know that's affecting them and they have to kind of have therapy and break it down and kind of explain their situation and talk through it. Because I'm sure there's people who either their parents or when they were a child, they had some sort of a traumatic experience, but they don't know it was traumatic. They just, maybe they think it's just normal or maybe they think it's just, oh, I had a bad childhood or maybe it was one bad day I had and it's, but they're still remembering it. Like, you know, it still comes up anytime they're in a similar situation, but that's exactly it. Like if you remember it, 
in any situation, that means it's still impacting your decisions. It's impacting possibly like your uh, cortisol levels, you're in fight or flight mode because of it. So yeah, I think it's something that people should definitely work with people like you, like work with therapists to really talk through it, explain their feelings. Like, I feel like that's the only way to get, I mean, of course, please, you tell us, but I feel like the best way is to always talk through it uh, with a professional and just you know, explain the situation. Yes. Yeah. And especially with, um, like the, the therapeutic relationship, um, that can also be very healing for people. So for example, attachment, have you guys heard of attachment theory? Oh, no. No. Okay. That's okay. So attachment theory, um, in the psychology world, we're, we're hearing attachment being talked about more. And what that essentially is, is that our earliest relationships with our caregivers set the tone for how we experience the world and relationships and people moving forward. And so if we have caregivers who, you know, maybe for whatever reason, they, they have things going on where they can't be attentive to their baby or their child's needs, then that child may grow up um, kind of on a nervous system level, not knowing if their needs are going to be met or if they're safe. So we want to be having consistent, warm, nurturing, predictable caregivers so that we can develop a sense of safety um, and, and know that our needs are going to be met. And so for people who have had ruptured attachments, so for example, they maybe had to be removed from their home or their their parents had something going on where they couldn't be attentive to them, the therapeutic relationship can actually be very, very healing for people because they're starting to retrain their experience with people to see that I have someone that is nurturing, can be here for me, can meet, can meet my emotional needs. Wow. Oh, you mean like the therapist and that person, that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And and going back to our earliest childhood experiences and, and how those can impact our life moving forward and um impact our, our health. Ultimately, attachment is so is so important for us to acknowledge that that can impact our health as well. Because if we have a child that has been separated from their immediate caregivers, that causes a nervous system response, that causes the amygdala activity to happen and so cortisol is rising adrenaline is being released wow that's so interesting man i I feel like i'm getting triggered by my past right now (laughs) we're all getting (laughs) triggered right well so that's how you repair it essentially you surround yourself with a stable environment and you get a therapist you develop that relationship that like safe relationship with that person or the people around you that you've now surrounded yourself with could it also be like for example you meet somebody in your life maybe for example you meet a new partner a boyfriend who eventually becomes a husband or um, a partner that essentially kind of fills in that gap that you maybe you're missing from the time you lost that uh, intimate person, you know, so could that could that also like change the trajectory of your of your life? Let's say like in your 20s, you meet somebody and that kind of like you just it fills that it fills that hole in you heal that yeah. heal that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because then our our nervous system is um, then being able to experience someone who is consistent and safe, and there isn't that risk of um, having them leave. So that absolutely can can kind of help retrain how our nervous system experiences relationships with people. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then I'm I'm also curious having kids and raising your kids in a better way than whatever trauma you went through. 
does that heal your own trauma? You know what? It absolutely can be healing for um for lots of people because it's almost kind of like you get to parent your inner child, right? You're doing what your inner child didn't get or didn't have, right? So uh, sometimes we we see people um say for example when they say, "Oh, well, like I didn't have this as a child or I really needed to hear from, you know, my parent that it was going to be okay." So I'm really intentional now about telling my kids this messaging or or nurturing them in this particular way. And so sometimes people actually can find that very healing to, to do things for their children that had never been done for them. I thought okay. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that question. That's a really great question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, yeah, I, I can totally see that. I feel like Italian like always tells me she's going to cry when she sees me be with our kids and like taking care of them. Cause it's just so cute to see someone who looks like him. <laughs> <laughs> It's cute. And so what are some things that um you know that, that's like, like specifically for women with PCOS, what are some things that they can do to help regulate their nervous system to help get them out of that? I know we talked about breathing, but like for long term, um, should they speak with a professional like you? Should they um look for other people in the community who have gone through similar experiences? What can they do to kind of help them get out of that fight or flight mode, get them to improve their parasympathetic nervous system? What can they do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we want to be looking at, let's say those, those um, nervous system regulating things, like what we talked about with the breathing, um, also getting outside. So, you know, like those kind of like self-care activities, but we also want to get curious about, um, do we have safe and consistent people in our life, right? What are boundaries that may be needed around those people who aren't safe and consistent for us? Um, what are, what do our thought patterns look like? And so those, those may be things that, um, um, probably meeting with a therapist would be helpful to be able to um, be able to kind of start to work through because we often do find that those things can be triggering, right? Like when we think of maybe a family member who is struggling with addiction and they're very present in our life and, and that causes us stress. Sometimes it's necessary to put boundaries in place, but that can be very difficult when they're our family member. And so even working through the grief of what that may look like, like that's an example of, of, um, a way that maybe we don't realize we we need to put a coping skill or boundary in place, but it absolutely does affect our nervous system when we have that environmental stress. And so being able to figure out what is happening in our environment and what can we do to create some resiliency around that or some boundaries around that. Boundaries are so tough because it's like, it makes you feel bad for setting boundaries. Like for example, if you have Someone in your family who's just been either just, you know, uh, emotionally abusive towards you or has put you in ter- sort of like always has put you in sort of like a low feeling, putting that boundary on them. I feel like it's really tough sometimes because you feel almost guilty or bad for doing it or they make you feel guilty for doing it to them. So it's, it can, I'm sure it can be a really tough thing. Yes, totally. And then we have to deal sometimes with like the grief and loss of that. So say, for example, if it's like your your mom, maybe who you have to put a boundary in place, you may be grieving the fact that you don't have a mom where you don't have to put boundaries in place, right? Where um, you, you may be grieving the fact that she is someone who can't be there for you. She can't be the person that you can run to when you're having a bad day. Um, and so boundaries absolutely can be a very difficult thing to put in place because of the experience we, we we may have had with that person and what that means for us. Absolutely. And it's really interesting how like something can happen and then 
you think you're over it, but, or for example, the example you gave about, what would you say? Someone with addiction issues and then having to cope with that day to day, like something may be traumatic and then you may, you might say like, I'm over it, but it can still be like lingering in your nervous system for like weeks until you fully, until you do something, get yourself to snap out of it, whatever, like that trauma, that event will linger and release cortisol into your bloodstream you'll be like i'm fine i'm over it what are you talking about but you're not you know and you're still in that like hyper vigilant state um and that's when you know for pcos women for example symptoms can flare up you your period gets thrown off your skin starts to break out your hair falls out like things like this happen because of that chronic state of like um your nervous system ha- you know being on but not knowing why you know until you do all that like deep work to really like unroot it Absolutely. And it's so interesting too, um, because in, in my work, I like to get to the root of, of where that trauma uh, stems from. And so for example, if, if someone is coming to me and they're like, Oh, um, you know, when I'm in this particular situation, I have this like tightness in my chest or I, or I feel the butterflies in my stomach. Um, and so what I'll actually have them do is I'll, I'll have them trace that feeling back. So I'll say, so with the butterflies in your stomach and when you felt, um, you know, so say for example, if like cognitive they're like, you know, I feel really angry or I feel very scared or, you know, whatever that emotion is. So then I say, okay, so if we could trace that back in time to your earliest memory of you feeling that way or having that experience, where do you land? And it's, it's childhood, right? It's when they were younger. It could even be when they're like five years old, the memory could be from the body remembers. That's what I always tell people. We may not be cognitively thinking it, but the body remembers our nervous system remembers all our experiences get stored there. So interesting. And that's why it's so important to regularly do things like box breathing, going on walks, therapy, reading, like things that will like calm your amygdala. And once it's calm, you'll realize what it was that was bothering you. Like if you just calm down, you know that you'll be like, okay, I know why this is happening. And Mm -hmm. then you can really work through it. You know, instead of just letting yourself ride that like uh, wave of cortisol day after day after day, like you have to calm yourself down to figure out like what was the reason. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And we can't do that when we're functioning from the amygdala, because then we're not in our rational thinking mind that is um, able to identify if these thoughts are helpful, um, you know, if they're healthy, things like that. And so that's exactly what you're saying. Like, we have to calm that amygdala to be able to get to the part of us that can have some insight about that. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Amazing. This was an amazing episode. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. I feel like, (laughs) what do you, I feel like I had therapy right now. (laughs) In a good way. No, in a good way. I mean, in a good way. Like, it was really good. Oh, that's great. I'm sure that if we're for our listeners too, it's going to like, it has, if if not already, like, open up their mind a little bit in terms of like, oh, like, you know, so and so could have impacted me or like this part of my life. And as a result, I'm sure. So many users will, so many listeners will now like maybe take the time to um, seek professional or take the time to do some of the tips that we talked about and actually like really help to improve themselves in terms of their their generational trauma or childhood trauma 
And I think, you know, this episode is going to be really helpful for like so many listeners to kind of um, down that next step of their journey. Good. That makes me so happy to hear. And for, um, I know that you have your own, uh, you're based in Canada and you're a professional therapist. Do you do like uh, virtual services for people or are you more like in person? Could you talk about some of your services for our listeners? So I have kind of two parts to my therapy practice. So I have my in-person and virtual therapy practice here in Alberta, Canada, um, where I see clients and uh, primarily working on trauma and anxiety, depression. And then through my Instagram, so my handle is bodyimage.therapist. I do body image work, body image coaching um, through the lens of the nervous system, actually. So that's a really big component of what I do through the lens of body image. And so, yeah, so that's kind of like the other other part of my business that is kind of merely just that's the passion project part <laughs> amazing i love that and awesome. we'll put we'll put all that information in the description in our episode too so for anyone who's interested definitely head over to savannah's instagram to her website if you're interested in working with her as well so yeah i think so many of us would benefit from uh speaking to you or speaking to someone like you in terms of managing their trauma depression anxiety and body image struggles so thank you so much Thank you for having me. Word of mouth is our absolute best friend here at PCOS Weight Loss. So if there's someone that you know that you think might enjoy this podcast, go ahead and share it with them. And if you don't mind, go ahead and rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast. It really helps more than you think. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Sisterhood community. Talk to you next time.